0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast. I'm Haley and joined by my regular co-hosts, Charlie and Miguel. How's it going today? Hey, going well excited going to talk well. about this topic this is like yeah. one of my well i'll let you introduce it first
1: and then i'll say why i like it so much how about that
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair well i was really excited about this topic too because it is something that i think about all the time personally but i want to talk about really as a creator what's better being a jack of all trades or being an expert or a specialist And I think this is a, this is really tough for the creator economy, just based off of the type of people that tend to be people that identify as creators. So I thought it would make for a really interesting topic. So Charlie, why don't you kick us off? Well, I love this topic because it's
1: something that's often talked about in the design industry, which is like, you know, the world I live in a lot of the time. And I feel like as I've progressed in my design career, but also in my creator career, I guess you could call it. I have seen the value in being a specialist, but being what I like to refer to as a V-shaped person. I'm holding mm. up my hands in a V. For anyone listening to the audio version, you're missing out and <laughs> you should be on the live stream and <laughs> our YouTube channel. But like this V-shape idea... Maybe we're getting too into the weeds too quickly, but it means that you do pick like a point, you do pick something that you dig deep on. And that is your like core thing, but that you have the room to build up other skills that support that main thing. And for me, as someone, you know, like you said, as a creator, I like a lot of stuff. And this idea of like framing my skills in this way of all feeding into one main thing has helped me feel like I have permission to explore, but there's some like guardrails on that, right? Like I'm not going to go too far off in a different direction.
0: Yeah. I like that. I think as we get further in the episode, we can talk more about that, but there's this one kind of opening statement of an article that we can link below in the show notes that I'll reference a couple times during the episode, but it says the dilemma of speciality for creative people is that we're easily bored by repetition while being an expert inclines repeating the same task to becoming an expert. Creative people are generally not biased toward repetition, which is why we see more jack of all trades in design compared to other fields like engineering. If a team is a wall, the experts are the bricks and the hybrids the mortar sticking the team together. And I really liked the way that they just kind of kicked that off because I think that it also illustrates very similarly that in an organization, you can't just have people that are like up and to the right, as far as the quadrant go, like, what is the quadrant? So we have a quadrant of four, and then you have like the people that are really extreme and focused on growth and really high performers. But you also have people that just want to, you know, kind of do the day-to-day job, like customer support style roles, right? Like it's the same task day to day. They're not necessarily strategizing. They're just, let's say, doing it really well. And for an organization to perform really well, you have to have all of that. Now, creators, it may be a little bit different. A lot of creators, like you see, there's a trajectory for the creator community. I think as an individual creator, you really have to be a jack of all trades, right? Yeah, if you don't have a team surrounding you. But if you look at someone like maybe a Peter McKinnon, right? Someone who's like a really, really advanced, well-known creator in the photography world, like he is in cinematic world. He's an expert photographer and an expert filmmaker. But he also has a massive team around him to help him do all of these other things. So he doesn't, as he's advanced in his creator career, he doesn't necessarily have to be an expert in customer support because he sells products, right? You know, things like that. So I think that it's definitely, as a new creator, you definitely have to be a jack of all trades. Miguel, what do you think?
2: I think as people are trying to kind of carve out their niche, I feel like they feel a kind of pressure, whether it's internal or external, To sort of specialize in something and be known for something that kind of forces us to kind of become specialists instead of generalists. Because you want to be known as the guy or the person who is known for doing this thing really, really well. And when anybody thinks of that thing, they think of you. You know, you want to become synonymous with that very special thing. And as a generalist, it's probably a lot harder to kind of carve out your own little corner of of a space if there isn't anything specific to point at. So that being said, I have a lot of respect for generalists because I think in a lot of ways, I think of myself as a generalist. I don't think there's any one thing that I am super, super into. And I just like, that is who I am. I find myself always liking to know a little bit about everything. So that's my personality. So it could be different for someone else, but that's kind of how I think about it. I just wonder how creators at large feel about that sort of pressure to sort of be super hyper focused on something.
0: Yeah, I'm curious if creators feel more of a pressure to be a generalist, or if they feel more of a pressure to be an expert, right? Because as a generalist, You have to, if you think about it in that way, you're like, oh my gosh, in order for me to be a successful creator, I have to understand social media and really care about social media. I have to be good at operating a camera, right? Because I have to be able to record myself and and that's required of most mediums, except for maybe writing, right? I have to be able to be a personality, right? I have to have personality. I have to have, so you really have to adopt all of these different types of things and really be a generalist across the board. I'm curious if they have more, you know, Charlie, this maybe is a good question for you specifically, since you really embody like the traditional creator type. But do you feel more of a pressure to be good at all those things, or do you feel more of a pressure to be like an expert at one of those things and kind of remove yourself out of Charlie the designer? Because you know, I'm thinking of you more as like a as a creator. I think that yeah. may-
1: there's maybe yeah. two layers to this. There's the jack of all trades, were specialist in one, in terms of your skill set and what you're like doing day to day. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also that in terms of what you're trying to be known for, right? And I do think that starting out creators cannot succeed unless they take on a jack of all trades mentality. Unless they got a lot of money and they can like throw the problem, (laughs) I guess, right from Mm -hmm. the start. But a lot of creators, most of them don't start out that way, right? We start out doing everything ourselves, like you said. And then as time goes on, I think you will be held back as a trader if you continue to be a jack of all trades and doing everything yourself because Mm. you won't be spending your time on the most highest leverage things in your business, Mm. right? Like that's why I now outsource my editing. I am perfectly capable of doing that. Sometimes I even enjoy it, but it's not, my specialty, you know, it's not the thing I specialize in. I should mm-hmm. outsource that to someone who does specialize in it, so that my time can be spent on strategy and on like building my network and and those sorts of things that really only I can do. So, that might answer that side of the question. And I think maybe creators find it hard to get out of the jack of all trades mentality when they get mm-hmm. further in, and they like outsource way too late, or like are afraid to do that because they feel like mm-hmm. they can't. And but then there's also the the niche idea, like Teddy just called out, skill set versus the niche. I think creators starting out want to again take a jack of all trades approach to this and again feel afraid to niche down. And I definitely did. Mm-hmm. When I started my YouTube channel, I was making content about DIY and fashion and decor and cooking
0: videos. Like it was all over the place. And <laughs> I know that you did that, but I still can't fully imagine it. No, no, but Isa, I can send you a link if you want to see one of them. I do, I do. Also, Issa on our team is oh, writing an, a story on you. Is this going to be part of the story? Like Charlie's early creator career as a fashion? I okay. even showed her my first video,
1: which is private on my YouTube channel. And I don't show it to most people what I thought. This would be good for Issa to be able to see. Oh
0: boy. Yes, yes.
1: This was a fear I had as I was niching down, was like, oh my gosh, am I going to lose the audience who was there for these other things, you know? But I knew that my passion lay or lied, Poor, I don't know what (laughs) word she's there, in the design side of things. And so I wanted to focus in on that. And I do think often creators are looking for like, what's the exception to the rule of niching down is how you can find success? That's what I feel like I get asked a lot. I'm like, you should niche down. And maybe 50% of the time, the creator's response is, but what about if I'm interested in both of these two things? Have you ever seen success in this?
0: (laughs) I guess, but like... You should niche down. (laughs) You say it again.
2: (laughs) Well, they, they come for the cooking, but they stay for the Charlie, right? So...
0: Yeah,
1: ideally. Yeah, that should be the tagline of my YouTube channel, should it?
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) What do you consider yourself, Charlie? Do you consider yourself a jack of all trades or do you consider yourself an expert? And similar to Miguel, and maybe we take this like on the, you know, ConvertKit side of things, I certainly consider myself a jack of all trades. I certainly do not consider myself an expert in any one thing that I do at ConvertKit. But I think that that's actually allowed me to really excel in my specific position I think that, like you said, Charlie, though it'll hold me back in the long term, right? I think that
1: I just want to button and say no. I don't think so. I, <laughs> how how I see you, Haley, is more in the V shape that I was talking mm. about at the start, right? Where mm-hmm. you are going deep in this one path, right? Of like, okay, how do I? create this like stream of content? How do I use it to serve the goals of the business? How do I get eyes on it? But all of the jackable tradesy learning and activities you're doing is around this one thing, right? In mm-hmm. a V shape. You're not over there trying to learn to code. You're not over there trying to be like, okay, well, what if I also learn to, and I'm like writing blog posts for the ConvertKit blog on like different <laughs> topics all the time. You know, there's
0: a lot of stuff you're not doing. That is true. That is fair. I am like, you know, 10 videos deep on YouTube about the right ND filters though you know so. okay,
1: well, maybe you're trying to be a specialist in that. I don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, Charlie continue sorry what do you consider yourself?
1: I would definitely not say I'm an expert in anything. I think I would always struggle but I, I would say I specialize, you know, but I don't see those two as mm-hmm. the same thing. I feel like an expert is like I am the go-to person on this. I know all the things I can help you. I mm-hmm. feel like I've got so much learning still to do in all of the areas of stuff that I work in yeah I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I for sure specialize.
0: Yeah. I mean, at this point in your career, and this is one topic that I was curious about what your perception was on is Malcolm Gladwell's like very famous, the 10,000 hour rule, right? Are you an expert? And you've definitely had 10,000 hours worth of design work in your career, right? By now, that would certainly consider you, by his standards, you would definitely be an expert. And there's a lot of contradictory articles out there that break down that theory that you're not an expert at 10,000 hours, or maybe you're an expert significantly before 10,000 hours. There's a lot of things that debunk that, but I'm curious on both of your thoughts on whether or not you agree.
2: I'm actually a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell, and I know for a fact that he has since sort of debunked his own 10,000 hour thing. But mm. Malcolm Gladwell is a really famous rethinker, which is one of the reasons I like him. He's not the kind of person that's like, I have arrived at this conclusion. This is now gospel, and it is this mm. is the thing, and uh, I'm never, ch- this is the way, and I'm never changing it. I have spoken, right? So he, even he has changed his mind about some of those things because, like we pointed out in our notes, The 10,000 hours thing is obviously is just like a nice round number. This, no, it's Mm a very arbitrary thing. But I think the point that that's getting at is um, if you do something a lot, a lot, a lot more than most people do it, at some point you become so adept at it that it is second nature and almost easy to you. Or at the very least, you're a beacon that other people who are aspiring to be good at that thing, that they look to for you. So for example, Charlie doesn't define herself as an expert, but people's definitions of what an expert is might differ depending on where they're at. So if I'm just starting out on YouTube, as far as I'm concerned, Charlie's a fucking expert. You know what I mean? Like she's
0: <laughs> Yes. There it is. Yes. But then,
2: you know, somebody somebody else who's maybe been doing it longer or has a larger audience, Charlie might consider them the expert, you know? So yeah. maybe an expert is somebody that you feel drawn to and inspired by and has knowledge that you wish you yourself possessed. So by that definition, an expert could be, is really subjective.
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting thought. I've never thought about it that way before, but you're right, like there's always gonna be, I also think we're we're our own worst critics and there's always gonna be ways we can improve, but there's also always gonna be people coming up behind us who are like seeing us as the like pinnacle of success when we're there in that spot and we know the road is much further. But maybe it's a kind of good thing that we we don't have that attitude right from the start because perhaps that would paralyze us from even moving in the first place.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I think that really highlights people that operate in that growth mindset world, right? Is because I think of myself, the only thing I think I might consider myself like an actual expert at would be like the skill of playing volleyball. I mean, I, I was can gonna just- say, I thought you were gonna say volleyball coaching. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
2: like Lying the other expensive
0: day- expensive chairs. <laughs> Pantry organization. (laughs) Please don't. Um, No, but in all seriousness, I, so I'm coaching my kids volleyball right now. And we had their first like tournament, right? Last week. And I, at the very end of practice, I didn't warm up or really didn't do much. And I did like a top spin jump serve and I was just showing my kids and there was like 15, 20 people around me. And I'm not going to say that it's not impressive, right? Like I've been doing it for a long time, but it was just funny because it took me zero like practice. I just was, my body just knew exactly what to do. Like, that's the only thing that I can say without a doubt. Like I could pick it up. I could not play for two years and my body, like I just, I can do it you know, and to most people in there, that was like, they were like, wow, that was that was amazing. And I was like, that was actually pretty bad. (laughs) But all right. Yeah, it's definitely perception for it's definitely perception. But I think it really highlights growth person or the growth mindset, because when you have that. That my, like, I'm not trying to get better at volleyball right now. Like, I could care less, right? But I'm trying to get better at all these other different things that are in my career that apply to my day to day life. Charlie, I know for you that one of the most important things for you since I've been at ConvertKit is getting better as a designer. Now you've kind of, I would say, maybe transitioned to like, now that you're in a managerial role, you know, you're certainly like working at that, but like overarching, like you've always craved more feedback and having our new team member, Caleb, who's an incredible designer, like has now offered like this other extra layer of somebody coming in and criticizing your work because you just constantly want to be better, even though in many people's eyes, as you said, you are an expert. So Amor, as Miguel pointed out.
2: I thought it was really interesting that when you, I think you asked Charlie if she thought she was an expert. She said no, and she cited the reason for her saying no is that she still had a lot to learn. And it's interesting because it almost sounds like you're defining an expert as somebody who has learned it all. Mm. And I don't think anybody has. So maybe you just know that there are people out there that you look up to that maybe do it better than you. So in comparison to them, you're not an expert. Yep, um,
1: that's what I would say. I think that... Expert is people who are like at the very top of their game, I would say. I'm trying to think of of an example (laughs) like, okay, Lewis Hamilton is an expert Formula One driver. He is right at the top. He's gotten like seven world championships already and he's on his way to his eighth if um, he can beat Max Verstappen. Now I'm saying words that you two don't understand, so I'll stop. But like (laughs) he's at the top of his sport, right? And he's there's always still things he can improve on, but he's still like right up there at that pinnacle top level. And I don't think I'm that anywhere near that in design.
0: Do you think that there's different levels of being an expert though? Because there are certainly significantly better volleyball players out there in the world than me, right? You know, but I'd still consider myself to be an expert in the game of volleyball, like from a skill set perspective. But are there people that make fewer mistakes than I make? Absolutely. And, you know, that's why they play in the Olympics, you know. <laughs> but I mean, there might be someone who's definitely an expert, but he's not winning the, I was going to say national championship. I don't get Formula One. I can't use your example anymore, <laughs> but there's a lot of Formula One drivers that aren't Lewis Hamilton. I is who you said yeah there's about 19 um, right
1: now who aren't lewis hamilton yeah
0: yeah 19 <laughs> who aren't lewis hamilton there's only 19 formula there's only one 20 drivers? drivers total in any one year yeah okay i have a lot to learn in formula one <laughs> this is
2: save your formula one questions for qa it'll be great
0: <laughs> this is like me in that game the sus game uh, the sus no. game yeah there throwback <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i don't know do you think i mean there's certainly different levels of expertise
1: Yeah, I think so. I think maybe it's just my personal definition, you know, of all like me considering myself, because there's plenty of other designers who are my peers who I would consider experts, you know? And so there's no real rhyme or reason behind my own definition. It's just, that's my perception of it, I suppose.
0: Well, let's transition this to like maybe some more practical advice, right? Let's like talk through that. In a way that maybe we can apply it or creators can apply it specifically to their like early careers. So I think, Charlie, one of the things that you had said, which I totally agree with, is that it depends on where you're at in your career. So we have these new aspiring creators, right? And it really requires, in order for you to be successful, unless you have millions of dollars or, you know, lots of money to outsource pretty much everything. What are the skills that, and I think we all agree that, right? Like Jack of all trades trumps specialist really early as a creator. What are the skills though that are, The most important to acquire, do you guys think about as you kind of embark on your creator journey, the things that you should focus most of your attention on?
1: The first thing that came to mind for me was communication. So, that Mm. could be how you talk about things in person or like on camera. It could be how you write to express your ideas and your thoughts. But I think that no matter what you're creating, you're needing to express your thoughts, right? Or you're needing to impart knowledge on people. Mm -hmm. And so that takes good communication skills to make it clear. So I think that's always worth investing time and energy into getting better at is communication, whether it's writing a sentence and rewriting it to try and make it clear, getting feedback on that.
0: yeah, I think it's worth it. What are practical ways that you learned how to be better at communication as an introvert?
1: Okay, this is going to loop back around. I'm glad you asked this. So, I don't think that I would be as good at expressing myself on camera or in person or on live podcast stream like right now if mm-hmm. I hadn't edited my first few years of videos myself. Ooh, good point. I annoyed myself so much in those first few years by like. You know, I would do the recording thing. I would get flustered and fumble or like say something a million times, say I'm um, a million times, do these really annoying like vocal ticks. I don't know. And then I would have to, I just said, um, that's really funny. Uh, <laughs> 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 then I would have to edit that out. Right. And I would have to be the one to edit around all those annoying little things and be like, ah, Charlie, when are you going to get to the point in what you were trying to say? Mm-hmm. And so I learned from editing how to change the way that I speak and how better to express my thoughts So that it made for a better video, but like it then helps with communication in general.
2: Mm. Yeah, that reminds me of a really good feedback I once got, which was, uh, you know, when if you're going to give a speech or you have to do some kind of a video or whatever, play it back and record yourself talking and then listen to yourself, which I know is like the most nails on a chalkboard thing anybody can do. And you hear your voice on a voicemail or something like that is the worst but once you get over that, which you will quickly, you'll find <laughs> something new to annoy you, which is all the things that you say that you your brain bleeps out, like all of your ums and your likes and your oh man, like there I go again. As I just said, like mother of <laughs> pearl. So
0: yeah, I love that you're bringing this up, Miguel, because when I recorded my test podcast. <laughs> For creator sessions, I think it's just funny just thinking about it. But I shared Adam, our podcast producer, whose team edits this podcast as well. The way I did, I just kind of like riffed, right? On the very, I just, I didn't take really any notes. I just totally riffed. And then he came back and he's like, So I think this needs to be a little bit more scripted of a podcast. <laughs> and then I, I, what I did actually, it was, it was fine. But what I did was I took that script from that podcast and then I put it into a script and I removed all those ums, likes, you know, and then I recorded it. So it had a lot of my like natural, the way that I talk naturally, but it just removed those, but I was reading it off a script. And then I sent it to a lot of people to review, but I also sent it to my closest friends who know my personality. And one of the goals for this podcast for me specifically is to share a little bit more of my personality, like inside of it as well. Like I really want, you know, because I'm so great and everybody wants to be my friend, you know? No, I'm totally joking about that. No, I'm totally joking about that. But that's just one of my goals is that I want it to feel like one of the the benefits of podcasting, right, is that you feel like you get to know people. It takes away that video. And so I, I want people to be connected to me. And in order to do that, you can't necessarily be stoic, you know? So, But all of my friends, their feedback was, wow, Haley, you really did not say um or like at all. Like you had no filler words. And I was like... <laughs> Ah <laughs> You're right. I didn't. That's because they were intentionally removed. That was on purpose, but that is not the way I normally talk. So I just think that's a great point because it's painful to listen to yourself sometimes when even we have team meetings, you know, or even re-listening back to this podcast where we're all very casually speaking together. and I don't want anyone to do an armor um or a light yeah. counter on this show, please. Yeah. I'm really working on trying to remove guys out of my vocabulary. And I really yeah, struggle with that one. And every time I say, it. I just cringe, you know, but whatever. I'm, I'm that's the first on it. step
1: because that's you noticing it, right? Yeah. It's the same yeah. with ums, you know, like we were all just calling out then. Oh, I said it again. If you're noticing it, that's like the first step in being able yeah. to eliminate it. But yeah. where I think, um, <laughs> now I can't stop noticing it where I think <laughs> that this advice comes in is going back to what you were saying at the start, Haley, of an expert in something is someone who repeats You know, Mm -hmm. they do the thing and they do it again, better the next time, do it again, better the next time. And they learn each time as they go. I think that being a creator, how we can apply our maybe more scattered passions and energy Mm -hmm. when it comes to this sort of stuff is to just do one thing at a time. So whether that's, okay, for these next few months, I really want to focus on getting better at video editing. So I'm going to like go down that expert path of repeating and like putting my focus there. And then when I feel like I've got to a point where I'm happy with it, I've got a process and a flow underway, it can kind of become second nature and you don't have to focus so much anymore, or you could outsource to someone else, you know, once Mm -hmm. you've got your own style established and you know what you want, and then someone else can take over that repeating part and you can move on to the next thing that is exciting Mm -hmm. to you and that you want to focus on. So I think that might be what being a creator is, is getting good at each thing individually at different times but maybe not holding the space for them all in your brain all at once, because that's overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that that requires a lot of intentionality though, as a creator. I know for me, I find myself, Charlie, I know you've talked about this quite a bit about being totally scatterbrained, right? And sometimes like going from one task to another task and like really having to sit down and focus, which is like why you like live streaming, right? Because it like really requires you to sit there and focus on, on one task. So yeah, I think, and I think that that also, really encourages creators to refine something that really ultimately they need to be good at in order to be really successful as a creator. This is a, a kind of a good example. I talk about this with Henry, who's our filmmaker. Henry is an expert Filmmaker. Like he is so talented, he's so young, but he's so stinking talented, right? He's he, and obviously he has a lot to learn as well. But I really knew it when we we're working on a creator session with creator, a photographer named Ben Baker. He's one of the world's foremost photographers. He's taken photos of the last like four, five sitting presidents four or five sitting presidents. And he he's just incredible. And what he said to me in an email is he said that a lot of Henry has a lot of exceptional mentors in his career, his creator career. And they said, we all see something really special in him. And this advice that I'd given Henry as we had talked about really leveraging or, or working on that communication, Charlie goes kind of back to that conversation, is that he's an expert filmmaker, but the skills that he's learning while he's here at ConvertKit is really going to apply. I hope he never leaves us, but I'm sure he will, you know, because he's just so dang good. All the skills that he's going to learn here are skills that are really going to help him share his work outside of like out outside, you know, once he's once he's promoting his own work, he's working on a really cool documentary about the pandemic inside or the creator community inside the pandemic. And you can't just be, you know, you can't just be a creator you have to focus on on your other. I kind of lost my train of thought there, but no, I, um, I see
1: where you're going. You're saying that um, what Henry's learning now that he's an expert in the filmmaking is like, okay, well now let's get expertise in marketing, in yeah, like business, yeah. in budgeting,
0: and all those things surrounding yeah. things that are important to success. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for picking picking me up. Me going robot style. I got I, I lost my my train of thought there for, a, <laughs> triple train of thought there for a minute.
2: I think the through line here is. Every time that we get more skilled at something, I think it probably requires a lot less mental effort in order to accomplish it. And as we free up those mental resources, we can devote that to other things that might require more mental resources. So as you get better, like for your example, better at editing or better at a different segment of the thing that you're doing as a creator, it allows you to put more effort in somewhere else. And it's sort of all the pieces start to kind of fit together and you can pretty You can put more of yourself into other things and level up quicker and sort of build on what you've learned in the past, which is ultimately what the goal is. And so I feel like the more you do it, I mean, it's intuitive, right? The more you do something, the better you are at it. And as you turn your focus to other things, you're going to feel things get easy. I don't know if you guys remember, I would love to go back to like the first podcast where we were and just like, just do an, I just, it just, I would love to see, just critique the hell out of myself and just see how clearly less comfortable I was to do this. What has it been? 30 episodes now? It feels like 35, 35.
0: It's been 35. Yeah.
2: So 35 episodes ago. I mean, there's a lot about this that has become more natural. And then I'm, able to kind of work a little bit harder on different things that before I just didn't have the bandwidth for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One last thing that I'd really like to talk about. I don't know if either of you got a chance to read kind of the last in my notes. And like I said, I'll link to this article um, in my notes, but I had had bolded it for both of you to read. But this idea that does being an expert make life boring? And to me, it kind of does. Because you don't get the opportunity to explore all of these other skills that you've always dreamed of exploring because you're so focused on being an expert and then continuing that expertise in one specific niche. And I'm just going to read like a really short expert of this because I think that it it really highlights the importance of like the new creator economy because the creator economy ultimately is really new. So this idea of jack of all trades and people being generalists versus specialists in American culture is very different because the way that America grew to be so crazy successful is by people hyper-focusing, is what made trade and all these other things really boom is because there were people that were extreme experts in it, right? and But I think this really, for me as a parent, this really started to inform some of the things that, ways that I wanna talk to my kids. But this is this small little excerpt. One of the overriding reasons why modern work is so boring is that we keep having to do more or less the same thing every day. We have to be specialists where we would deepen our hearts, surely be so much more fulfilled if we could be wide ranging, endlessly curious generalists. You can understand the origins of this restlessness when you look back at childhood. As children, we were allowed to do so much. In a single Saturday morning, we might put on an extra jumper or imagine being an Arctic explorer. Explore, then have brief stints as an architect making a Lego house or a rock star making up an anthem about cornflakes and an inventor working how to speed up coloring in by gluing flour, four felt tip pens together. We put in a few minutes as a member of an emergency rescue team. Then we try out to be a pilot, brilliantly landing a cargo plane. On the rug in the corridor, we'd perform life-saving operations as a knitted rabbit, and find on a knitted rabbit, and then finally we'd find employment as a sous chef helping make a ham and cheese sandwich for lunch. And then you think about this, right? As a child, like so many people are constantly asking, I ask my oldest daughter this all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she wants, she's really invested in being a vet. And ultimately I, I ask myself, like, am I stifling her by encouraging her to go down this path and to focus on this one thing? Or should I be encouraging her to explore all of the various things that she wants to be? to allow her creative mind to, you know, to like really open up wide. And I think as creatives, for me, I know that my, my work on creator sessions, I think like just, just me playing with a camera, right? I am not a specialist, a camera, but me playing with a camera and looking at it through the lens has helped me see better what I want so I can communicate it better to Henry. I just really loved this example of how you might find inspiration in the thing that you are more of a specialist at, not an expert, but by doing something totally different, you know? And I just really like that idea as how it's really important as creators. And I think that this is new. This is totally new to our society, at least in America, the way that America has been built. And I think the new creator economy is really informed by people embracing more of a generalist mindset.
1: I love that example you gave of like talking about your daughter and asking what she wants to be. It makes me think like, maybe we should put less focus on the what and more on the why, you know, like if instead of saying, what do you want to be? It was like, I'm going to say a what question, but it's more like, what do you want to spend your time doing? You know, when you're older and when you're working and maybe the answer is working with animals or like. Saving animals' lives, taking care mm. of animals and something like that. And that could apply to many different jobs, right? Maybe mm. vet is just the one that comes to mind for that. And for us as creators, it could be too, like, when we're thinking, when we feel pulled in a different direction, why are we feeling pulled there? Is, a way, is there a way we can weave that in with what we're already doing so they can both connect and, like, help each other out, like you said, with exploring cameras through the lens, through mm. the lens uh, <laughs> of, <laughs> of creator sessions? Mm-hmm. It lets you explore that passion, And that like new interest of yours but it also helps the main thing like coming back to the the v-shaped skill set i was talking about at the start
0: yeah yeah i love that yeah um i like this point or this andrew is a new new commenter i haven't seen you in the chat before so welcome i actually am not familiar with david epstein but i'm definitely going to look this up but Yeah, but he says you should look up David Epstein and his points on how people need a sampling period when they have the sampling period. They grow more than as specialists. So I'm definitely going to look into that for sure.
2: So one of the things that I remember from being a teacher is my students would always ask me, you know, why are we learning this? I'm never going to use this. You know, Mm -hmm. there was always this idea of I only want to learn the things that I'm interested in and everything else is just useless to me. And I would always give some version of the answer of it's important to be kind of just have more than just a very specialized knowledge in one thing. It's there's a value in being a well-rounded person and it gives you perspective. And if you have this sort of like myopic view on life, where it's just like everything is through the lens of this one thing that I'm really interested in. You never take the time to zoom out and kind of see things from other perspectives, or you never even consider a different approach to something because there's only this one way to do it. It's the way that I do it. So it just depends, because that is optimizing for perspective and well-roundedness. Whereas specialism has its own benefits is you might lose some of that stuff about having perspective and well-roundedness. But if you hyper-focus on something, you can get really far in that one thing further than most people might ever get in that one thing. So it's a trade-off and it's just a matter of finding a balance that works for you. But I would definitely say never go 100% down either way because you're definitely giving something up by only going one way.
0: Love that, Migs feels like a good note to end on. <laughs> no, no, no. We can't end yet because I am adding, I'm adding a nice little quote that I want to end. Well, no, hold on, hold on.
2: <laughs> he's a sucker for a good quote.
0: <laughs> While he's getting the quote prepared, can I just do a little shout out for the fact that i um, at ConvertKit
1: at the moment, we are hiring for a bunch of different roles. I know we're hiring for an affiliate manager. We've got engineering positions open and we're an intentionally small company. And so we do not hire all that often. So if anyone listening has ever wanted to work here or was like interested in being our coworkers, you know, I don't know if we're putting on a good show <laughs> in that regards, but check out convertkit.com slash careers at the open roles we have at the moment. I promised our operations team that I would give that shout out.
2: <laughs> and you'd be crazy to not want to work here. So, you know, this place is great. <laughs>
0: All right, so now we can end as I show this. I really loved this quote by Walt Whitman. He says, I am large, I contain multitudes, which means that nobody is just good at one thing. You have so many different versions of your personality that you can explore of your passions that you can explore and never really position yourself. I know we talked earlier in this episode about niching down, but don't lock yourself into doing one thing. I think that stands true for you if you are a child. And I think that stands true for you if you're an adult uh, Melanie in the chat said that, I love this. She said, I think that this is where hobbies into adulthood are so important if your job is not creatively fulfilling. So I think that's I incredibly that. important to continue to explore things that you find interesting. It's why I bought myself, you know, a very expensive pottery wheel that's sitting out in my garage right now. So she
2: has ghost playing on repeat in there. <laughs>
0: Not quite. You should. I have two chairs, actually. One for me and one for my husband to sit behind me. So, you Perfect. know, I want to yes. play it out. Yeah.
2: But <laughs> the Righteous Brother is playing in the background at all times. <laughs>
0: yes. Thank you, friends. <laughs> uh, I loved this episode. We will see you next week, right? Charlie, you're going to be gone. You won't see me. I'll be in Iceland, but we'll see you too. Yes. We'll see Miguel and I. All right. Have fun, Charlie, on your uh, exploration. Stay safe. And Miguel and I will see you next week.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you wanna join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern.
1: This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.